The first major reason for planting a congregation really is the gospel. This is the good news that we get to proclaim. It is designed to be spread. That was their response to the Great Commission. This is what God called us to do. Welcome to the Lutheran Church Planter, a podcast exploring the theology, philosophy, and practice of planting new Lutheran congregations. I'm your host, Andy Coyle, church planter and director of home missions for the Association of Free Lutheran Congregations, joined by my co-host and fellow church planter, Matthew Ballman. And we're just going to jump right into this today as we start this new podcast, and we're going to be dealing with probably the most important question regarding church planting, and that's just the why question. Why plant new congregations? And sometimes this question is asked, but I find more often that this question about the reason for new congregations isn't even on people's radar. It's just not talked about. Oh, and oftentimes what you hear is the questions maybe even against church planting. Well, why, why do we need more churches? Or don't we have enough churches? Or aren't these new churches going to be resource drains? And aren't they going to take away from leaders from our other congregations? All those types of questions. And all sort of goes back to this foundational question of why planting new congregations is so important. So uh, we're going to give you three major reasons to plant a new congregation or the reasons for that. Two of them are theological and one of them is practical. And then we're going to give you three benefits that sort of flow from that. And we're going to use our first few episodes here to lay that foundation. And so the first major reason for planting a congregation really is the gospel. It is the heart of God. It is the call of God. So, so Matthew, when we talk about the gospel, what is that? Just, just even define gospel for us. I was talking to someone this last week, meeting with someone who visited our church, and we were talking about this this question. In the last church, uh, this individual was at, uh, they asked their pastor, uh, what is the gospel? And uh, the pastor said, well, let me go get you something. And he went to his bookshelf and he grabbed Wayne Grudem's systematic theology and said, read this. <laughs> and uh, her point was in this was that like her pastor I don't know if he didn't want to explain it or he couldn't summarize it in, you know, short words, but it's like, yeah, what is the gospel? This is one of the most important questions. Why are we, why are Christians? It's, it's just good news. Gospel means good news. And it's good news because we um, were created good, very good. Sin entered into the world, Genesis 3, uh, through Adam and Eve, through one man's sin, death came upon all people. The sin separated us from God like a cancer. It, it brings physical death, spiritual death, relational death separates us from our maker who we were designed to live in relationship with a loving relationship with and we were humanity was cast out of the garden right this 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 picture of being separated from the only one who can give us life and apart from him we wither and we die but but here's the good news so that's kind of the bad news we get to the good news the good news is his heart this profound love and compassion and kindness and mercy and grace right um ultimately was was saying he wants to be with us and recognizing that we could not save ourselves, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live, to die, to rise in order that our sins could be forgiven and that we might live eternally with him. All of that by grace, through faith in Christ Jesus. So the, the, the initiator is God's grace. Uh, he gives us grace. He gives us this gift of faith. And the object of that faith is Christ Jesus, our savior. And this is the story of scripture. The gospel, God's heart of redemption, is the entire story of scripture. We see that from uh, Genesis 1 all the way to the end. 
that all these promises that he's making, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and through, through to Israel, it's always pointing towards this ultimate savior that's going to come, Jesus Christ. And uh, this is the good news that we get to proclaim. This is God's heart. And this is what we get invited into as uh, the church of Jesus Christ to proclaim God's heart. And then we have a call to share that. Yeah, that call then, where where was it given? Like what what is that call and where do we see it in scripture? And what what are the implications of that? Man, there's so many places we could go to, but the thing that pops to my mind right off the bat is the great commission. Maybe call it the great instruction, the great command, the commissioning, Matthew 28, verse 18, worth reading. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And pause there. This is, this is actually really important for, for, for Christians to realize, right? This was after his resurrection. He has conquered death, paid the penalty for sin. And he's saying all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He has all authority, right? So if I go to a street sweeper and they give me permission to walk into the White House, I'm probably not going to trust them. But if the president says, I'm going to invite you to the White House and give you permission, I'm like, oh, whoa, that's pretty significant. Well, this is the king of the universe, the one who's conquered death, saying, all authority is given to me. Now, what, what, what commission, what call is he now giving us with that authority? Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And we could do a whole podcast on just that that a uh, great commission right there but he gives us one the command to make disciples right by baptizing in the name of the father son and holy spirit and then continue to teach them and, and often we talk about this being a um a command to evangelize but also the command to sanctification right the, of growing in our faith and that beautiful promise at the end the gospel of he's with us to the very end yeah, so, so yeah we're yeah <laughs> so the heart of god clearly is to change people's lives and his heart is to get that message spread. And we see that throughout the New Testament, you know, a verse that I was thinking about is from first Peter two, where Peter's writing, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his mm. own possession. So that right. There's purpose. You may proclaim the excellencies mm -hmm. of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And so we have this call, we have this commission, we have this purpose to, proclaim the gospel of Christ, the life-giving, life-changing good news of Jesus so that people can get saved and be with Christ for, for eternity. That is the heart of God. It is a heart that is not supposed to be just uh, kept to ourselves. It is not to just simply remain inside the four walls of our churches or our homes or wherever, but it is designed to be spread. And we see all that throughout church history. We see uh, how the apostles, like, I mean, really, Christ gave them this commission and then what did they do? Yeah, they, yeah, they plant churches, right? We, sometimes we think about, uh, oh, it's the Great Commission. It's, we, we share that before a two-week mission trip. But what the apostles did wasn't go on a two-week mission trip and then come home and forget. It was plant churches, right? They, make, they baptize, make disciples, catechize them, and establish churches, appoint elders and deacons. And they're, they're starting churches like all over the known world at that time. That's what they did. That was their response to the Great Commission, church planting. Very much so, yeah. I think I think you're right. When we when we tend to make this very narrow, or we tend to make this uh, a program, or we tend to make this um, sign on the dotted line, but we see the disciples they they did they tied all of that with this this local body, 
this beautiful mm. thing. We're going to be talking a lot more about that next episode. We don't want to get ahead of ourselves here, but uh, we saw that they receive this commission and they go out and evangelize and plant churches. And that's, that's really, really significant for us in, in that when we talk about church planting, this is the number one motivation. This is the number one reason. It is a gospel motivation. It is a desire to reach new people for mm. Christ. It is the answering the call that Paul gives. You know, how, how shall they believe unless someone is sent or goes mm-hmm. from Romans 10 there? That's very, very significant. Um, what happens if that is forgot when we talk about church planting? I think, that, man, a couple things happen when we forget that. One is we just, we hide our light under a bushel, <laughs> right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let no. it shine. Yeah, we hide it under a bushel. And we, we actually, it could be just, we don't think it's important or we become ashamed of it, right? There's all types of kind of these fear factors that, but that's right. not God's heart. Right, Jesus wasn't like, I'm just going to hide out and not tell anybody about the good news. He's, I came to proclaim, right, the kingdom of God, to declare this, right, and you're being sent to go do the same thing. So it's, um, it actually then we we don't share it, we keep it to ourselves, we disobey this command. I think this could get played out in in maybe even the church planning conversation. If people say, well, we don't need any more churches, right, um, right, and part of that I think is missing this heart of God to see this news spread throughout, you know every nook and cranny, every neighborhood, every language group, like that is God's heart. And by saying, well, we don't really need it. It's like, no, we do need this continue because this is what God called us to. Yeah, and I think oftentimes that that is a massive separation that people have that heart maybe for evangelism. They have that heart for mission, but it is so divorced from the congregation. It's divorced from the very institution that God has given for that. And so, mm. so that's really a significant thing for us to to talk about. And for all of our congregations, whether they're 125 years yeah. old or still in infancy, to realize that we have a message. The heart of God is not simply for us to keep it ourselves, but to, to go out. And I think when we forget that, it just immediately is going to lead to stagnancy. It's going to lead to infighting. It's going to lead to all kinds of stuff. It's a loss of vision. That's really what it is. It's a yeah. loss of the purpose behind of so much of what God wants to do in our lives. Well, and when that happens, when we do plant churches without that clear call, it actually will, I think we'll, we'll plant an unhealthy church. We'll plant a church for people that are just of our own tribe and like us. Right. That's right. huge. And it actually does become a club. Like in essence, it's like, we're going to go plant this church only for Lutherans, only for free Lutherans, only for Norwegian Lutherans. Right. And like, well, that's not God's heart at all. Uh, now that might attract those people. And that's what we to acknowledge he that. care about Norwegians? No, I actually, he top of his list top of his list he loves them more deeply than everybody else yeah uh but it but that 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 can happen and we actually see church planning can very easily fall into that and maybe that's our our, that's our natural default like it's good for us to recognize we want to be people that are like us that's very normal and it's not all bad but the heart of the gospel is jesus went to the least he went to the outcast he went to the sick he went to the leper he went to the poor he went to those that we're on the fringes of society. And this is the heart of the gospel and this is the heart of church planning. So I think it helps, it does help us protect from only planting churches to reach Lutherans when in fact we should be planting churches to reach the unchurched, the dechurched. Hold on, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that. Okay. Okay. Let's we'll just talk more. kind okay. of focus a little bit more on that because I think, you know, even looking at church history, right, in the last hundred years or or whatever that is, you you do see a lot of reorganizing of 
whether it's Lutherans or whatever tribe you are, right? And oftentimes that has been the motivating factor for planting a congregation. And that's not all bad, right? Don't don't hear us wrong here. Sometimes there are good reasons for that, and there have been a lot of reasons for that of situations where um, maybe a church body has fallen apart or things have compromised, and so there is a, a group that goes and forms a new congregation and, and things like that. Those things have happened, and God yep. has worked through that in mighty, mighty ways. I think it's important for us to realize that right now um, that those days are, are basically past us. And I think it's important for us, even let's just talk sort of inside baseball here, right? Within our association, uh, as we are planting churches, it no longer are we simply opening the doors and we are attracting other disenfranchised Lutherans. It, that That's not really happening much anymore. Uh, no longer are we simply just, oh, now we're that conservative church and people are showing up. Uh, I think I think that heart it has been there, and that's a good thing. And we've provided homes for many, many people, and it's wonderful, right? Um, but if that is our main thing, if that's our main reason for planting a church, we are starting with a very unhealthy foundation in our current culture and context. And so I think this is the, the reason why we have to really hunker down and talk about the gospel. Now, you mentioned a couple words here that I think we need to define uh, if if our goal is not attracting Christians, right? And th- what are these other groups? You mentioned unchurched, dechurched, underchurched. Uh, define unchurched. What what is that? Yeah. So the unchurched, um, maybe maybe Paul would call them pagans. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's okay. I think we need to actually rather than trying to be we need to be kind and generous toward one another, but also we need to speak with clarity because this is a life and death. The gospel is a life and death matter, right? It's not, oh, it's an optional thing. If you can paint your house pink, if you want, I don't care. It's a life and death matter. So the unchurched are those who have um, never, they're not in a church. Maybe they've never been part of a church. They've never um, made a profession of faith. They've never received the gift of baptism. Uh, They're just disconnected altogether. And in these categories, you know, some people might say, why don't you just say Christians and non-Christians? And that's a fair question. Why don't we just say Christians and non-Christians? Where these categories can be helpful is we recognize we live in a culture today where so many people have grown up in a, I'm using air quotes here, Christian culture. They've grown up maybe within churches, but they have not, not been formed by the gospel or into the image of Christ, right? So these categories are helpful, very helpful, I would say, when you're, um, you know, people are coming into your church and you're having conversations with them to kind of figure out like, okay, where are they? Like, what do they understand about Jesus in the gospel and the Bible? What do they believe about these things? Maybe they, they do believe in Jesus, but they're just, they're infants, right? Paul talks about this, that, hey, you should be adults. You should be eating meat, but you're still on the milk of the word. And I think we have a lot of people um, in, in that category. So unchurched would be, they don't have a church background. They're not believers. They don't believe in Jesus. Yeah, and I think, that population is growing rapidly in our country. I can speak from our context here in Rapid City, uh, just interacting with people. I, I even I've been connected with a local Christian high school, Rapid City Christian, and they just started a class this year. It started school yesterday. It's just simply kind of an introductory class because they're finding that even hmm. people coming into a Christian school didn't know anything. And, and so mm. we, we sometimes assume the gospel or we assume that people have all the furniture aligned right in their minds because maybe they still have that background within a Christian society. But that is that is going by very, very quickly. 
and the vast majority of people now just man they just don't know anything about Jesus they don't they don't even know where to start and so it's so important for us to realize that in our language in our tone in our actions and everything um, but what what a joy though right I mean you think mm-hmm. of you think of the main reason why a church exists it is it is these people people that do not know Jesus that, that are lost that are going to go to hell outside of Christ and so that is the yeah. unchurched uh, yep. and that is. I would say within the church world that that terminology is pretty familiar. Uh, dechurched. What is a what is that? Yeah, this is. I think especially we see a rise of this in our generation. Maybe people who are in their twenties, thirties, forties, who have grown up in the church, and they maybe they were relatively well catechized. You know, okay, that's the relative term there. But they were taught. They they believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of sins. They grew up going to church regularly. They went to youth group. They went to Bible studies. But now they have left the church. They de they de church. They left it, and now they're. It's not just a. It could be I um, just have kind of wandered off. I've kind of floated away. It's not been an outright rejection, but often it is an outright rejection. It could also be that as well. And we see a massive demographic of people who fall into that co- that category where they just they have intentionally made that decision to leave the Christian faith and to leave the local church. Yeah, and I think also with that is is a percentage of people that just get busy and they maybe their work schedule changes and they just get out of rhythm and that goes on yeah. year yep. after year and pretty soon 10 years later they find out oh, man I haven't been to church and and, and I think that's a, that's growing too and, and we could talk about the reasons for all of this and and I think you're right in that percentage of you know those in the 20s 30s 40s that have maybe seen the church of just full of this sort of vapid faith right superficial and all this kind of stuff it's not really having core answers it's not even it's not driving us to the core of who God is in the gospel and just thinking you know what I don't, I don't need that I don't need that anymore and so there, there's a lot of reasons that we can find in individuals for why either they've left it all together, they've made that conscious decision, or they've just sort of wandered off slowly. But this is this is another large category of people. And I find just in our context here at Shiloh, a number of people that have come from this. So, man, they haven't mm-hmm. been in church in 10 years. I haven't been in church in 15 years. Oh, uh, you know, it's just, and yet there's that desire to get back, get back. And we would call yep. them de-churched. And that is, there's a certain joy there too. Just like there's joy working with someone who is unchurched, there's joy working with someone who then now rediscovers the beauty of the gospel again in their lives and why it's so important for them. And so that that's a huge aspect of church planning. Yeah. Well, and I would say like, it seems like we, we do see this as well. And part of it is maybe they grew up in the church, but then in high school and college, they left the church. Like, oh, I don't really right. need this. But then they try doing it on their own and they realize like life gets them, like life beats them up. And when you make yourself the God and you think you can control everything, you realize pretty quickly, you know, um, well, you don't, there's a lot you don't control. Most you don't control. And there is this deep comfort when you can return to and recognizing, oh, the Lord is my shepherd and I can come, I can come back to him. Um, But now there's been all this kind of almost deformation over the last, you know, 10, 15 years of their life. So it's not like you're starting with these mature individuals necessarily because they they have been deformed and that is a that happens to christians where they can be deeply formed and then deformed by culture by walking away so yeah that it is a it's a it is a joyful group to walk with um and seeing them return to the church as well i mean what what about that last category then the under church how would you talk about that 
Yeah, there's going to be some nuance here. And um, when we talk about someone who is underchurched, we're talking about someone who has been in the church and maybe maybe who is very active in a congregation right now, but specifically a congregation that, well, they might not be teaching the gospel. They might not be preaching the word. It might be a steady diet of just pragmatism. It might be a steady diet of superficiality. There, there, there could be a lot of things that go here, but we're talking about a person who really doesn't understand their faith. We're talking about a person who has been under churched, right? They, mm. they, they, they might have a desire. They, they would call themselves Christians. There's a desire for spiritual life there, but they are mal nurtured, right? They, they have not mm-hmm. been fed good food. And I think, you know, this is, this is a tricky thing, right? Because we don't want to steal sheep within church planning, but we need to recognize that, healthy churches are going to attract people that want to be healthy too while, while still attracting people that are kind of messed up. And so I think this isn't the primary motivation here. You know, this one comes after the unchurched dechurched. This is more of the realization that there are so many that have been raised without really a foundation. And yet, you know, they might pray and they might read the Bible, they call themselves Christians, but they just really have not, it hasn't really clicked. There's no, there's no formation there. Yeah. Have you seen that in, in Trinity? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think that's a massive, you know, uh, Christian Smith, he wrote this whole thesis on moralistic therapeutic right. deism, right? And that could be a whole podcast we should talk about. But I feel like basically what that means is, well, God is a rule book to help me live a good life, mm-hmm. um, to kind of comfort me. There's The gospel is not there. It's not, I need to be saved from my sins. I need to be rescued from death and Satan. Um, but it's this like, just this deism, um, it's moralistic if here's the rules. And I think a lot of people who are under church, that, that does tend to be how they view God more in those categories. So, um, yeah, a, a, a massive need, I think probably maybe, I don't know if I can say more so than, than in the past, but because we do have so many fluff churches that are out there, I think we see a lot more people that are in this category. For sure. So these are the three types of people that we are really pursuing in church planting, right? And, and we are thankful when another mature believer comes in and joins our church. I mean, we we are thankful for that because we do want spiritual leadership and all that kind of stuff. And, and something I've specifically prayed for in our church plant. And yet, mm. and yet our main focus, our audience is to reach those who have never heard, those who have walked away, and those who are confused, right? The unchurched, dechurched, underchurched. That is a heart of God to change those people's lives, connect them to the gospel, connect them to God, connect them to the life that God wants for them. Gospel foundation. So wrap it up. Final word. Yeah. So we seek to plant new churches, new congregations, because that's God's heart. It's it's simply an overflow of his heart. It springs out of his desire for mankind, humanity, to be reconciled to himself through Jesus Christ. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today on this new podcast. If you're interested in exploring church planting within the Free Lutheran Church or just have some questions, we would love to visit with you. I encourage you to subscribe to this podcast and contact us at aflchomemissions.org. Talk to you later.